welcome to Palin' Around, the official Uppercut podcast. Here we'll be focusing on video games, fandom, pop culture, and how they all interact through the internet. I'm your host, Jessica Cogswell, and with me today from Uppercut is the host of New Light Allies, a Destiny podcast, and our resident queen of audio editing and star chart reading, Kayla Joette. <laughs> how are you today, Kayla? All of those things that you said were so, so nice, so me. Love it. <laughs> good. How are you doing? I'm doing as good as a as a Harry Potter fan could be doing right now. Mm, might be foreshadowing what we're talking about this episode. <laughs> Though if you're listening to this, it already has a name, so you you know what you're getting into. Um, but yeah. So uh, also with us is writer Matilda Lewis. Uh, Maddie's had her work published on sites such as Enchanted Conversation and works to elevate the presence and voices of women writing horror. How are you doing today, Maddie? Uh, you know, not so bad for my second week back having to actually deal with people and not just my cat. Um, yeah, I can't complain too much. I'm unbothered by the J.K. Rowling drama and in, in that I'm unbothered that it's J.K. Rowling that's causing the drama in specific. But mm. uh, I, I'm... I am kind of an anti fan. Um, an anti fan. <laughs> I I am a, a strong proponent proponent of reading another book. Mm. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, and last but certainly not least, we have Jessica Kretz with us. Uh, Jessica is currently working on her degree, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I think it's creative writing with a minor in film studies, right? Yeah, yeah, and I write film criticism too here and there. Yes, that's what I say. And you also, I mean, like, that's that's kind of what I, I know you as. You are a walking IMDb. <laughs> um, and you're also just incredibly well-versed in music, too. Um, just all around incredibly smart person. <laughs> so really uh, l- lucky to have you on here today. Thank you. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I guess everyone else has mentioned J.K. Rowling, so... Uh... Looking forward to talking about her baby books. So, her baby books. <laughs> oh, Kayla, I'm so sorry. It's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm the putting baby. You it's fine. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, like I also was super, super obsessed with Harry Potter when I was a kid. Um, I am not so much now. Like I still like them. I still have like positive feelings for sure. But like I was obsessed. I had a Harry Potter birthday. I had a Harry Potter themed bedroom. Like I thought that maybe Daniel Radcliffe and I had a chance. <laughs> Oh, that was me point. with Rupert Grant. I was like obsessed, you know. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, you were you were a Ron fan. Yeah, I, I liked Victor Crumb because I thought he was hot in the movies, but that's about the that extent of it. Absolutely, does not surprise <laughs> me at all. No, I have a type. Rudy <laughs> and Slavic, apparently. I mean, that's like basically you. It so. is. It's really it's really disgusting how like. <laughs> self-incestuous my my desires are self-love baby there you go it's it's healthy it's self-love um but yeah so if you're listening to this uh i guess this this podcast this episode is inspired by uh the stuff that's happened with jk rowling um but it's gonna go a little bit beyond that uh but basically to uh give y'all the timeline in case you uh have blessedly have missed been... it yes in case you you've been granted the uh i don't know privilege of of missing all of this uh so last year december 19th uh 
J.K. Rowling uh, faced some heat after she tweeted that she supported Maya Forstarter, I believe her name is, or Forstater, Forstater, I think that's what it is, Uh, a British researcher who lost her job at a think tank after tweeting her opinion that transgender women cannot change their biological sex, uh, and she was labeled as a TERF, rightfully so, Um, which is, for those of you who don't know what a TERF is, uh, it's a trans-exclusionary radical feminist, just... Basically, a, a feminist who believes that the most narrow definition of what a woman can be, this kind of a bastardized version of it, like, that's that's what it is. And I that's just, who they fight for. I think it's really cool that there are people out there who kind of consider themselves feminists, but at the same time are all about reducing womanhood to what set of genitals you have, which yeah, I don't know how you can, can think like both of those things at the same time like i'm a feminist but also <laughs> do you yeah, menstruate if it, so it takes, woman if not no yeah it's it's ridiculous it's cause, like because yeah you would think like the whole the whole movement is about embracing all types of women and whatever you want to do and however you want to present yourself and be but you know um so she did that uh obviously a lot of people were upset but i feel like it was one of those things that kind of rolled over uh, for some reason, I don't know. Uh, and then recently, June 6, uh, she tweeted like this, like three tweet, like little thread just being like, I, I love trans women and I love women. But at the same time, trans women are not women because uh, if, if we if we allowed that to happen, we're, we're ignoring sex and we are uh, like, re- like, I don't know, it somehow impacts women. I, it was it was just some very strange thinking there. Um, and then after she was rightfully criticized for that, uh, she doubled down on it in this very long blog post that I didn't bother reading because I don't think she deserves the click. Um, I, I, I started, like, I texted you about it. I started yeah. reading it because I was like, I'm going to see what she has to say. Like, let me just, like, I know it's going to be some fuckery, but I'm still just going to read it. And, like, I was, mm-hmm. at first I was like, okay, okay, uh, uh. Uh, like it just kept getting worse and I was like ma'am what the fuck yeah. is this what is yeah. this mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I read the whole thing because I'm a masochist. Uh, what's frustrating about it isn't any specific point that she makes, um, but more that it's it's so rambling. Uh, she goes all over the place. At one point, she's talking about you know the MS charity that she uh, that she helps with, and there was no real through line. I mean, it was shitty, but it was also almost like, indecipherable. <laughs> okay, I'm glad it wasn't just me because I thought I was like, is there something that I just like, like, don't know that's making this not make sense to me? Like, is it my lack of knowledge or does it genuinely just not make sense? I am trans and I go down rabbit holes like this all the time. I, I, I'm just reading this stuff all the time. I probably shouldn't, but I do. And even as someone who has read a lot of it, 
uh, it was mostly gobbledygook. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better about finding it largely indecipherable. Like, I got inklings, I'm like, I can see why this seems wrong, especially because she's not trying to substantiate anything, but I don't really know, like, exactly why. Yeah, I I read different excerpts that um I saw, like, posted about on Twitter, just, like, people screenshotting different parts of it, and, like, yeah, I I don't know. It it just seemed like shitty rhetoric that was all very empty. And then I heard from, you know, Kayla, obviously you messaged the uppercut group chat and you kind of expressed being extremely upset and frustrated and angry. Um, you know, and Taylor, you I remember you messaged me too basically saying that like that was really rambling and didn't make a whole lot of sense and it just kind of seemed like somebody talking for the sake of talking. <laughs> Mm-hmm. which especially given everything going on right now just like demanding it's a read the room it, kind of issue and i feel like it the room was not read <laughs> yeah it's like how can we make this about me this week with everything going on uh in not even in in our country in the world but also <laughs> but, yeah uh, it's like first of all like we are talking right now about black lives like don't like mm-hmm. don't make this about you second of all you had to do this shit during pride month like mm-hmm. it's just like a a whole fucking lot of bullshit that I'm just like, why, why have you done this? I also think it's very cool and good that her her whole whole shtick was about how much she cares about women, and a lot of that I was like, okay, so you wrote a book that has almost no prominent female characters. Most of them are moms. All of the students who are female and not Hermione are kind of vapid. I guess Luna or whatever, but like, it's like, I don't know. If I read this, I would not particularly think you cared that much about women in any, any special or, you know, over the usual kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I will, I, I've seen a lot of people posting about how, you know, if you go back through and read those books, the representation of women, is just like, well not only, not only that it's like so i am the harry potter stan like i yeah i have always been but it's like you know you think back on a lot of the themes and it's just like a lot of it is fucked up and like you know when i'm in high school and i'm obsessed with these books and i get out of high school and i get a huge harry potter tattoo i'm still into it in college whatever else like i still like harry potter i i love a lot of the themes but then also you think about like okay you have one prominent asian character who you named cho chang like really okay yeah like you have like this whole theme in book six about about rape basically where voldemort's parents like he is a he is a product of rape and it's just like things like that that like people just kind of tend to think over um i mean there's there's a lot of problems like the the house elves for example like mm-hmm. they're trying to be like oh these are like basically like elf slaves but they don't want to be free and it's just like uh there's all these things that like i've grown up and i'm like oh like how did i how did i just read over that that was a children's book that made me feel happy and like friendship and love but like also had these really fucking terrible themes like what what the fuck Mm -hmm. i mean if it makes you feel a lot better there are people who read the lion the witch in the wardrobe and don't realize that aslan is jesus so you're really not that not (laughs) not that bad not at all well and it's kind of weird the way that she handles representation in general i mean 
I guess with the wizards and muggles and 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 whatever the the ones that are like half wizard half muggle. I don't know. It's a baby book. I've only read the first four when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, um, I read through like the middle of the fifth one and then got very bored and stopped. But yeah, there's a stuff like with with the wizard and the muggles, um, and I, I I can tell that there's a metaphor that trying to happen there about maybe race or whatever. Um, but then, like you mentioned, there's the um, there's the house elves, and also any type of actual representation she has in these books. Um, it's always after the fact. It's always after it's already been written. You know, like Dumbledore is gay or Hermione mm-hmm. is black. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that's always driven me nuts about her, and I'm sorry to use the term virtue signaling, but she's like the one example I can think of of someone who actually virtue signals in that there's no actual textual reason for any of these characters but it's her like putting out her oh i'm a good liberal centrist person see i Mm -hmm. i made this character gay even though textually he's not (laughs) yeah it's like if there's something that's worse than reducing every gay relationship or anything like that to subtext it's like not having any text at all (laughs) and then going back and retroactively being like but also there's some text in there not about him being gay, but some other text about his brother in the oh, seventh book. And Boinking like, goats? Yep, yep. Which is yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that's a thing. There's a really great, uh, the Cole article, and you don't need to read the whole thing, just the title, which I'm looking right now. Um, it is, or actually, no, yes, it is Click Hole. It's overstepping her bounds. J.K. Rowling has a note, announced that Daenerys from Game of Thrones has Crohn's disease. And um, oh I recommend looking that up sometime. It's it's pretty funny. But I, I kind of feel that way where she just, like, randomly throws out stuff to, like, get people to listen again, but doesn't actually show it in the book. And it's like, if you're going to have a gay character, just have a gay character. Like, shit or get off the pot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just about making herself seem like, oh, see, I'm good. I'm I'm representative. Mm-hmm. I'm, but there's no actual. Well, and also it's not in the there's book. There's no so... effort ever made. The fans of the series whose parents are conservative enough that they will would be unapproving of gay characters, but not so conservative that they would not let them read the books in the first place can still feel kind of okay because it's not actually in the books. Yeah, and like the whole Dumbledore being gay thing, like as a fan of the books, like growing up, we all just kind of like made that a fan thing. Like it was like a, like we were all just like, oh, Dumbledore's gay. Like it's never written. Like we just kept saying that that was like our thing and then for her to be like never say anything on it for years for years that book has been out for so long and then just like give a little taste of it in the movie and be like hell yeah i'm progressive like "Mm, ah, why yeah and i don't know i mean i know it's not you know as, as a as a white cisgendered woman there's not much for me to complain about with representation generally but I kind of feel like just with stuff like that I'm like either do it or don't don't do half measures and I'm also kind of one of those where I'm like "Eh, sometimes like no representation is is better than shitty representation Mm -hmm. but again like I don't have as many like as many dogs in that fight I guess since the only way I'm really all that underrepresented is that I'm female, which is is not that that huge in well, it is in some things, but not in general. 
Yeah, like in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. You know, it's like I just had this conversation with like a friend recently. It's it's like it's weird because you don't want to like rank. You know what I mean? Like marginalization or whatever. That's not. But yeah, I don't like, want to do the oppression as, Olympics. Exactly. But like as a white woman, like, you know, it's in some ways, you know, yeah. we even have it better than white men when it comes to like incarceration and things like that. Yeah. You know what I mean, it, it, other ways, not as much. Not so much. But... Yeah. No, definitely. Because it's like, like, I'm white. I like middle class. I'm married to a man, so even though I'm not straight, I I don't appear to be anything otherwise to the average person mm-hmm. unless I tell you something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, it's like, and I I even saw tweets about Harry Potter where it's like it it very much kind of falls into the whole like what's the word that I'm trying to find right now? Uh, like, just, like, the, the virgin or whore complex, basically, um, where all of the evil characters in, in the series are all, like, single women, where mm-hmm. everybody else is either a mother or becomes a mother if they're a good character. Well, also, uh, all the pretty girls are, like, kind of vapid. Like, the, the mm-hmm. real, like, Fleur and all the girls are supposed to be really, really pretty. They're not, they're all treated as you know stupid which as a very attractive woman really bothers me okay (laughs) (laughs) exactly um but anyway so all all of this aside so there there was a woman named constance grady who uh wrote an article on vox um and it was the article is called uh what do we do when the art we love was created by monsters and uh once the jk rowling uh tweets started happening the, the post uh she tweeted out and she was just like hey like this is super shitty sorry for people who are kind of like dealing with this also i wrote this article um a while ago if anybody wants to read it like it was when i was working through this stuff so um yeah and so i, I read through the article and it kind of just talked about three different ways of approaching separating art from the artist um talked about the whole like uh the the artist is dead uh the artist is like more of a ghost uh like i there there's a few there's three different ones let me pull it up i'll refresh on it um but it was an interesting read was that the one that talked about Um, that you sent me that talked about new criticism and death of the author yeah 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 okay yeah it was so yeah new criticism there's uh death of the author and then the newest one it was saying is kind of more of like like looking at them as like a ghost because it said that you can't really ignore um, or it's not useful to ignore an artist's biography when assessing their work. So you have to be conscious of it. Um, but really, it kind of just is something that I think you have to deal with personally, but it can kind of be hard to do that. And I feel like there's a lot of internal dissonance when stuff like this happens. Like I know Kayla, you were like really going through it with um, Harry Potter. So I think where I wanted to start this conversation is kind of going over any personal anecdotes we have. Um, If there was any instance in which an an artist or a filmmaker or a musician, uh, when you learn something about them that kind of changed the way that you view their work. and and how it was processing that so kayla do you kind of want to start with talking about this because i think this is probably the biggest thing for you yeah i mean like you know for me i think the way that i'm going to continue dealing with it is like remembering all the the joy that these stories have um you know 
brought me, but also like I, t- I was telling y'all, like I'm not, there has to be a separation, right? Like I, I don't want to give JK Rowling any more money. I like, I was telling like, I'm really sad because I was collecting like the illustrated versions of the books. Cause I thought they were really cute. And like one day I might want to like read them to my kids, like things like that. And now I'm like, I feel like I can't do that anymore. And like, I thought these were really great. And you know, I have given this bitch so much money. Like <laughs> it infuriates me. And I'm like, so like, instead of buying the illustrated versions every year, like, like, should I like donate money somewhere else? You know, it's just like these things that I'm dealing with, but I don't want to throw away my love for the stories. Like you can always get them secondhand. That, that is true as well. And that was something else that I was like, well, if I do buy them or if I'm gifted it or something like that, like then I'll like double donate the money, things like that. Um, But it sucks because, you know, I, again, didn't realize a lot of these shitty themes that she had in her book until like in the last like five, six years, I've started to realize those things. And it's like, it's hard for me to still love the stories and the things that are happening and then thinking about those things as well so for me it's personally been really hard but what was really encouraging from you know the uppercut people and I were talking is that you know they kept telling me and for anybody else who's listening who is a Harry Potter fan the fact that I am actively you know realizing that she's not a good person realizing that the things that she's doing are bad and speaking out about it and not being silent is already doing enough there because you could ignore it. You could be quiet about it and still be a fan and still give her money or you could speak out about it and you could realize like this isn't cool and these are some other resources that you should be, you know, putting your effort and your time into. Um, And I know we'll probably all go around with Jess's question, um, but Maddie, I was hoping at some point at the end of the podcast or something, um, I saw that you had tweeted about like another book to read. Uh, if you mm-hmm. had any other books you would suggest for people who are into like, like the like fantasy stuff that's less, uh, I might have less some, <laughs> um, but I also haven't read if it's for like children's books or young adult stuff specifically. I read almost none of that, so uh, I, I have some, but they're not necessarily going to be the same demographic as as harry Mm -hmm. potter would be right um yeah i just i i don't really read unless it has like a wide crossover appeal like the the book i mentioned specifically was a wizard of earthsea which uh has has pretty wide appeal for like anyone of any age really but yeah i can start thinking of some others I'll link in the show notes whatever thread uh, Maddie ends up making. That way, you know, people can can kind of peruse that. Uh, and then also, I did see various threads um, about different, like, children's fantasy works by um, trans authors or by, um, like, black authors. There's been a lot of that going around with everything happening right now. Um, and some of them seemed really, really interesting. So I Yeah, I've will... seen a, a fair few that looked real good. Yeah, and so I will go ahead and link my like those tweets as well because I'll I'll dig around and find them. I know I have them saved. I do not um, have tweets. I I actually have to think of other books other than A Wizard of Earthsea now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, so I mean, because they're, in fact, actually, you know what, like, because we're talking about it, there was this quote that I really, really liked, because it kind of reminded me of, first of all, it reminded me of something that Monty would say, which I really dug. Monty and, and Caitlin, I feel like, has kind of said something like this before, too. Um, and it kind of reminded me of just, like, uppercuts, I guess, sort of mission statement in general. Um, I found this on, uh, I think it was actually like a, a, like a college blog post type thing. Like definitely, it definitely gave that vibe of like somebody who was doing this for like a school project. Uh, but it was a philosophy professor at university of Puget sound. Um, and, uh, his name was, uh, Shen Yi Liao. And he said, uh, in fact, the social structures of the world makes it very unlikely for us to be good aesthetic meritocrats. <laughs> uh, structural forces like colonialism, racism, and sexism make it very likely that many worthy works are simply inaccessible to many people, including us. The same structural forces also make it very unlikely that the works that you discover via popular media, via your friends' uh, shares, or via algorithms' recommendations just happen to be the most worthy ones. Uh, so basically, in summation, it's just saying that the stuff that we find, the really popular stuff, is not very likely to be the best. It's just uh, due to the structures that exist, uh, that's what we find. Um, and so it's really cool that, you know, there are these threads on Twitter being like, hey, actually, all of these people have also been doing this, like, all of these amazing pieces of work. So, like, you should definitely check them out. Um, yeah, I really love so, whenever yeah. people realize that oh actually all the stuff that i complain that there's not enough of there's actually a ton of it's just by indie creators not disney i yeah. love when people oh, come to that realization <laughs> yeah you see it all the time with with movies with um games i mean with anything with anything music too music is a huge one people are like oh there's no good music anymore and it's like no nah, you just don't yeah, you just need it. to stop listening to only top 40 stations and, and <laughs> dig a little yeah so i i thought that was a pretty cool little quote um it seemed fitting at that point i think it's, uh, it's definitely true yeah um and then next i'm gonna jump over to jessica actually um do you have any like i don't know personal stories where like you found something out about somebody and it was it was kind of harder for you to like watch their films or, or listen to their music well the fun thing about movies is that uh it's chock full of really fucked up people <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah yeah. And, um, you know, I can't think of any, you know what, actually, um, I, you know, I grew up a huge fan of Woody Allen. Growing up, I knew about him um, marrying his, let me see if I get this right, his girlfriend's adopted daughter. Um, and I always knew that was gross, but I was like, well, I guess it's not, you know, illegal. Um, but uh, then the... Uh, the news about his uh, the allegations from his daughter that uh, he had um, molested her when she was really young uh, came out, and it it's taken me years to figure out how I feel about his films and how I feel about I mean because I God he puts out one a year and I think I went to I think I did ten years in a row of seeing every single one as it came out. Um, so that's 10 movies within 10 years. And it's hard to say with, with his films. You know, I can watch his older ones, but anything that happened after the point where um, what uh, was alleged happened, happened, um, it's it's tough for me to watch them. Um, I, I, I do sometimes, but 
you always have that in the back of your head um, and you want to be able to separate that because there's not really any example of that within the work itself. It's not, you know, he's not making, he is making movies about, you know, younger women with older men, but it's nothing to that degree. But at the same time, you just have that gnawing in the back of your head with his films. And I mean, he's not the only one. Roman Polanski is like that too. It's just, there's a, um, I, and I enjoy both those filmmakers, but it's also hard to want to support the work of, of someone um, who would do something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, Polanski was one that I was definitely going to bring up because um, I, I'm not going to say I unapologetically love because there's a part of me that feels bad for loving something that someone like Roman Polanski as a human would make. But uh, I really, really like Rosemary's Baby and the Ninth Gate. But oh, they're I, great movies, especially Rosemary's Baby. That's a that's a perfect movie from beginning to end. It's really good. I sometimes with movies in particular, I feel like I give myself a little bit more leeway because there's so many people who work for a movie. So it's like, okay, yeah, it's the director's vision or whatever, but the actors brought it to life. All the people on the set did that everything. The people who freaking catered for it. So many people worked for it that it's. I don't know. I don't feel as bad. Or I don't feel like I should feel as bad because I don't really feel bad anyway, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I feel I feel less like I ought to feel bad when it's something that has a, pr- a whole production team instead of just one person. Yeah, I guess that's something that kind of makes it a little bit harder with books is because like with music, a lot of times, I mean, I guess solo artists are a little bit harder but like with bands like it's a it's a collaborative thing and even with a lot of solo artists like you work with you work with a lot of other people um and I guess books you work with editors but at the same time it seems like something that's just so like deeply boiled down to like one person who's who's kind of working on that um so yeah it's harder because yeah definitely with movies it's like or games too a lot of them have a a big or, you know, a sizable yeah. crew of people who are working on them. It's not just one person. Yeah, I think that's, um, you know, like one thing that, I don't know, it's it's kind of a, I'll bring it up, I guess. But like Night in the Woods is one that's kind of like weird for me to think about, like to navigate. Um, I just tweeted like not too long ago, there's this whole like uh, games bundle that if you're listening to this, you probably, you're probably involved in games. And you've probably seen it advertised everywhere. It's made like over $5 million now, but there's a charity bundle for Black Lives Matter. Uh, and it's a whole bunch of different indie devs have all uh, banded together to give out. It's like, God, like 1500 games now uh, for $5 is, is all you have to pay for them. And uh, Night in the Woods is one of the games that's included in that bundle. And Night in the Woods is a fantastic game. Um, Uppercut actually named it uh, our game of the decade, personally. Um, and Oops. It wasn't me. Huh? Who, who <laughs> was, voted an Uppercut was... for that? Because it wasn't me. Uh, that was 100% Monty, Caitlin, and I's doing. Um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a really great game. And it tackles, um, you know, like, gosh, just like dissociative episodes and and depression and um restlessness and and just like all and it's it does it in a really really great way it's a really really good game uh but it was primarily made by three people and one of the three people was later revealed to be uh like an abuser um and after he was kind of ratted out within that week uh 
he ended up committing suicide. And this all happened, like, gosh, probably nine months ago. Um, so it was, it was late last year. And it's hard. He wasn't one of the people who was in charge of the art. And he didn't work a ton on the story, but he also, he was mentally ill. Um, he did all of the music for the game, and he helped do the actual game design. So he was there, like, helping, like, kind of set up the levels and, and how the game flowed. So it's it's a weird thing to navigate. Um, yeah, I don't think I knew that. I love that game, but I'm not as as, you know deep into into video game news as anything else the only reason i know about that at all is because i follow uppercut and people who follow uppercut because i otherwise like do not know much with with video game news unless someone tells me yeah it's it was it was a whole wild thing that all happened in the span of a week like all this came out about him and then it was like three days later that Mm -hmm. happened um, wasn't it like during was... E3 like or PAX it was like I wasn't home it, I was like out somewhere it was probably during it would have been during PAX West probably it would have been like last September or something yeah. um but yeah and uh I think it was Zoe Quinn right was one of it was yeah Zoe Quinn was the one who came out and was like hey this stuff happened um and other people kind of confirmed like yeah like we we've known about this this happened and then he did that, and then Zoe was off Twitter for a while because um, so many people were either blaming her or, um, you know, she blamed herself, and, and it was it was this whole, it was crazy shit. Um, and then, yeah, Alec is the guy who this was all happening. It was I forget his last name. It's like Halaka or something like that, Haloka. Um, but he, his family put out a statement saying, like, nobody blamed themselves like he was going through a lot of issues he's always had mental health issues he's been in and out of things uh and it was it was wild and it's weird because that game is a game that tackles mental health beautifully and it's it's just a really great game but i i don't know (laughs) i don't know how to deal with it um that's that's definitely one of mine i think the only other one that i would have is like i really like the band brand new (laughs) And uh, it was recently revealed, and not even recent at this point, it was like probably 2017 or something, um, that the lead singer of that band was uh, basically like having sex with minors or like soliciting them for sex um, and just kind of using his his cred with being in a band and being kind of in a more prominent like punky type band, uh, alternative band, uh, to, to like talk to young women. Um, I feel like any band that's ever played at freaking Warped Tour needs to just have like a you can't be in like a hundred feet of a school. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You're totally right. No, it's so true though. It's so true. But yeah, and like so that that's really hard too because like they like the Devil and God is one of my favorite albums of all time, uh, and you know he wrote that shit. Should he's, I actually like, didn't know lyricist. that? They have a couple songs I really like. Whoops. Yeah, that that album is fantastic and so it's it's a huge bummer i feel slightly better listening to daisy because i know that he wasn't really the one writing most of the lyrics on that album see that's actually um, the album still... i like the most of theirs so that makes me feel a little bit yeah, better yeah they... <laughs> yeah yeah it's my second favorite album for sure but it's, so like that's weird too um but taylor what are some of yours because we haven't talked about yours yet 
So I'm kind of in a little bit different of a situation because a lot of the stuff that I am really passionate about is old as fuck and the writers are dead. So <laughs> um, it's kind of one of those where I've, I, I also just like assume and I'm like most, most artists are, are some stripe of dirt bag. And I can say this because I am an artist and I'm sure someone could find some way in which they would consider me a dirt bag, though it's not, you know, probably not to the level of, of other people but um so for me it's kind of like like does it matter that lord byron was a piece of shit like he's been dead for hundreds of years or you know a couple hundred years so so who cares i can still read lord byron and and not feel a thing about it because i'm not giving him money i'm not giving his family money it it doesn't really and it, even if i was giving his family money it, i don't you know believe like his lineage is inextricably tainted or something so and I also I I don't know I tend to be of the opinion that like if I'm not giving you money like if I read something and enjoy it that doesn't necessarily mean I can I so if I read something or or watch something or whatever and like it it doesn't necessarily mean I agree with the creator and it doesn't even necessarily mean I agree with everything that's in the book um or or movie or whatever so I tend to be a little less conflicted about reading stuff by or watching stuff by people who suck. Um, I feel a little bit, and, and sometimes it, when it's a case of, uh, so the example I'm going to use, it is very easy for me to not buy music by Chris Brown, because there are a lot of other people that do similar music as well or better than Chris Brown, even though he does have a couple of songs that I like. But those other people don't beat up their girlfriends. So that's not hard. Uh, on the other hand, there aren't that many directors who can make a movie like Rosemary's Baby. So I guess there's a part of me that does kind of do the aesthetic meritocracy thing where I'm like, at some point, uh, I, I just kind of weigh like the badness of the thing that, that, that has been mm-hmm. done by that person against the actual quality of, to me, not, not, not claiming that it's objective, but the, the quality to me of the art. and if I can find someone else who does it as well or better. Um, I think, and I'm not not even the type of person who will like not watch or listen to or play something. If I know that the creator is kind of shitty, I'll just find a way to not pay for it. The only exception I can think of like off the top of my head is, um, uh, I have never read and never will read The Mists of Avalon by Marion Zimmer Bradley even though it sounds 100% like my shit, like it's like a feminist uh, kind of retelling of Arthurian legend based around Morgana Le Fay, who's one of my favorites. Like I like Arthurian legends in general. And of course I like the, I like the, the sorceress, but um, I haven't read it and I won't. And it is because I've it recently, but not that recently, but within the past five years, I think came to light that she uh, habitually sexually abused her children. So I, I don't know. That's one of those things where I'm like, mm, I guess everyone kind of has their like hierarchy of evils where like you rank how bad something is. And that one's pretty damn near my top. Uh, so I don't know. It's like, I know it's like, did you cheat on your wife? Okay. That's shitty, but whatever. It's probably not going to make me not read your book or like, were you mean to your sister? Like whatever. But like, you diddled your own kids. That's 
that's too far for me <laughs> even though yeah, the book yeah. itself actually does sound like something that I would probably really like and I, I want to go back back a little bit. You you mentioned, you know, with, with older artists, you mentioned Lord Byron. I guess, how does everyone feel about, um, you know, it's one thing to to, to read an older artist um, or, or, or watch the films of an older artist who, who's long dead and, um, you know, know they did terrible things, they don't really see that in the work. But in a lot of instances, some of that can be reflected even directly in work. Even um, J.K. Rowling with this with this trans stuff in um, one of her crime novels. I mean, there's a, mm-hmm. um, a pretty messed up uh, section where the hero like blackmails a trans woman that he'll get her sent to a male prison if uh, she if if she doesn't help her. I don't know. It's been a long time since I looked at it. Um, but you know, with with cinema. Uh, two of the most important foundational artists of all time is D.W. Griffith with uh, Birth of a Nation, which mm-hmm. you know basically restarted the Klan. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have Lenny Riefenstahl, who created the modern documentary, and she was a goddamn Nazi. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are foundational works that basically, without those, you don't get the cinema we have today. Um, but how do you how do you make sense of sense of all that in, in that context? I mean, D.W. Griffith only did one movie that was that horribly racist, although he has a handful. Um, but like, even with older artists, how how do you, how do you uh, navigate that? I think for that topic in in particular, um, I feel the same way I do about like when we talk about statues and things. It's like Yes, it is important to talk about these things because they happened and they did make a change uh, for the film industry and things like that. But like, do we have to show them in theaters? Do we have to have the poster of it in our libraries and things like that? Like, like fuck no. <laughs> like, um, being able to talk about those things and being educated on them, I think, is really important. But like, um, for that specific you know um the birth of the nation situation things like that um but as far as like when y'all are talking about like a lot of these um dead artists um from the past i really i'm not a i'm not much of a a reader that's why i read the baby (laughs) books as we talked about uh so i i don't know how to uh talk to those i i mean kind of specifically talking about like the film and stuff that's really influential I kind of agree like you don't need to put it up on a pedestal to talk about how or why it's influential I don't think you need to prevent people from seeing it if they want to um what what I actually like um I think it's Looney Tunes that does this where some of their older cartoons that are just they're just not okay by today's standards come with a little disclaimer just basically saying that. And I think that's a nice way to do it. It allows people to see it if they want to, because I, again, I I mentioned, I don't believe in judging something you haven't personally, like, at least tried to read or to watch or whatever. And I think you can't really meaningfully talk about why something is fucked up if you don't actually have any experience with it. But I think that little contextualizing is important and helpful for things, um, things of that nature. Like there was a, yeah. I can't remember, it might have been, 
it was a, a tabletop RPG, and I can't remember which one it was, because I don't do that many of them, but it was based on the works of H.P. Lovecraft, and their source book talked about that his stuff is hella racist, but that doesn't mean your game has to be um, in, like, the introduction to the source book, and I thought that was a, a good and mature way to handle it, too, and Lovecraft is, like, I don't know, almost like a poster boy for this kind of thing, because, like, with a lot of, especially, like, old dead artists, you can just be like, oh, yeah, well, it was just, it was just of their time. Like, it's just, it's just, that's just the time. That's what it was. And in most cases, I feel like that is honestly kind of sufficient. But H.P. Lovecraft, H.P. Lovecraft was racist by the standards of 1920s America. Do you realize how racist you have to be for people in <laughs> 1920s to be like, yo, dude, how are, uh, cool it a little bit. It's too far. <laughs> Yeah. No, and like I I completely agree with what you guys are saying. I think that I think that when you hide things away or you make things taboo and you don't talk about them anymore, you make it more enticing for people to find them. Especially little um, shitheads who want to like stir shit. Yeah. If you tell them it's forbidden, they're going to go for it. Yeah. It, well, and it's just it's you can't ignore what's happened. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like the it's restricted just... section in Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, Kayla, it's just like the restricted section. Um, but yeah, it just seems incredibly irresponsible to act like, okay, this never happened because it's bad. It never happened. Um, when, yeah, like things, things have influence, things have meaning, things have impact. Um, and so I think it's, it's more important than anything is just to, to give context to things, to like make people understand like why something was made. And I think it's important to, you know, even if, even if the artist is, is, been dead for 300 years whatever uh i think it's important that you know who they were and there are some people who totally disagree there are some people who think like okay well art and and the artist should be so separate that it doesn't matter who made a thing um you should solely examine what is on the screen what is on the page like i think it's so weird that that became like such a dominant that new criticism where it's like only on the page matters became such a dominant like it's not anymore, but it was for, you know, some decades, like, the way to do literature. And I find it very yeah. bizarre because it's really only all that useful for poetry. Yeah. Well, and, like, I feel like now it's... It's pretty passe now. Know. They don't really do it. If anything, I no, think they've I... almost leaned too far in the other direction where, <laughs> like, they only look about at... Uh, I had a professor who complained about this, and I love him, and I agreed with it. Uh, some people will only look about... Uh, look at art in its... In, in, in a sense of judging like is it feminist is it pro whatever or, or like only trying to judge like it's morality and not it's like any actual quality of it like what's it what's it actually trying to say they're just like gauging like how problematic or pure it is which is like a really reductive way to look at art and it reduces everything kind of to didacticism which is it's useful for some things but it's not the sum total of artistic expression. Yeah, I mean, the modern approach has basically become if an artist's politics aren't 100% perfect, um, that becomes what gets criticized more than more than the work itself or, or even what the work is saying if those politics um, are folded in. Yeah, and that actually brings, like, that's one of the questions that I wanted to ask everybody is, so even if the themes are not explicit in the art, do you think that the fact that the person who made that piece of art or that movie, that whatever you want to call it, like, do you think that that taints the overall 
thing. I think in ways that it, it does, like, again, you know, bringing up JK Rowling again, like, I'm always gonna think of her as this person now. And, you know, maybe I'm gonna watch a movie with somebody, and it's gonna get brought up while we're watching a movie. And then I can't enjoy the movie because I'm thinking about those things. But again, I think there needs to be some separation right like I still do want to enjoy the things that I grew up and enjoyed but there is always going to be some stain of the person that she is you know Mm -hmm. yeah this is a situation where and I may look like kind of an asshole here if it's not actually in the work I can know that the author or creator is like kind of a shit heel and and just not really care um (laughs) And, and and honestly, like, I have a, I have this really weird, I don't know if other people feel this way, I've never really talked about it with anyone, I have this weird thing where if I'm reading something that is, and it's problematic, the amount I can handle it is um, directly related to how much it would actually apply to me. So if it is sexist, I don't give a fuck most of the time, unless it is extremely sexist. But I have a hard time reading stuff that's racist because I can't own that kind of thing. So I, I feel like I can't gauge like how fucked up it is or how much I may or may not be internalizing it because I don't have as much of a frame of reference as I would for whether something is sexist because I'm a woman and I've lived my whole life as a woman. So I, I see it all. So I feel like I, I feel more comfortable reading stuff that that's the criticism than I do when it's, is it sexist or is it homophobic or is it transphobic or any of those? I feel, I don't know. Is, is that weird? I, I've not no, ever I, talked to anyone else about it before, so I don't know how much that's, like, a normal response or just kind of kind of weird. No, like, I've never really thought about that, but that does make sense because I, I feel the same way. Like, I, I can deal with sexist shit. And, like, it's still – because I know it's sexist. Like, I, I can – Yeah, like, I don't feel like I'm second-guessing myself and being like, well, is this actually sexist or am I just perceiving it? Or is it worse than I actually think it is? Whereas with something where I don't have that life experience, it's it's harder for me to tell um, until it gets to a point where it's like, you know, H.P. Lovecraft racist, where it's like you, you, you would have to, like, I don't know how you could read H.P. Lovecraft, some of his stories, and not think, yeah, that dude's racist as hell. Well, I think part of it, too, is it's just, like, it's easier to, like, to take shit yourself than it is to to at least for me like I I'm super mean to myself you know what I like I I don't care about that it's it's it doesn't bother me as much but the second that you're like mean to one of my friends or I see you punching down at somebody that's when I'm like hey that's fucked up stop and so for me it's like it's one thing when I can see something that's like sexist and I'm like yeah no this is bad like I, I can tell but I can stomach it more but the second that it's something else I'm just like hey but you know what like that's fucked up. I really don't like that. Like it, it makes me, I don't know. I, I get more uncomfortable about that stuff. I get more, more worked up. Yeah. I'm the, like, I'm the same way, even with like hearing people talk, like if someone is like casually throwing around sexist slurs, like obviously I don't like it. I think that's shitty. And I think less of them as a person, but I don't feel as deeply uncomfortable as I would if someone was just casually throwing about racial slurs or something to that yeah, effect. It's like That's like an immediate, like call out type thing. Yeah. That's like, whereas a, yeah. Ugh. Like, like someone's, you know, calling another, you know, calling a woman a bitch or like calling another girl a slut or something like that. That might be like, I talk to you privately. Someone, you know, calling a black person, you know, hard RN word. That's like, dude, you need to shut the fuck up. Like, that's messed up. Yeah. I don't know. Do you, do you, either of you kind of, I guess, like feel similarly? That's, it's a lot to unpack, but. 
Um, you know, I don't know. And I, you know, I wouldn't, I guess I'm the one maybe most directly affected by, um, I don't know what everyone else's identity stuff is, but as, as one who is a trans woman, I'm probably the most, uh, directly affected by what JK Rowling said. Um, but I would never tell anyone not to read her. Um, I do think, I do think it's impossible for that not to, filter how you read her from then on um, and maybe see bits and pieces here and there. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, that that's one that does directly affect me. I, but I, there are writers I like who are very, very transphobic and I, you know, I still like them. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that makes sense. Like if you can, and I think that that's something like, I don't know, there there seems to be kind of a search for like one answer to this mm-hmm. um, or, you know what I mean? And like, it's something that's so personal, like that really is all about your personal boundaries and like your rules and your ability to distance stuff. And I feel like if everybody has absolutely the right to like, if, if there's an artist, if there's a person who makes you deeply uncomfortable, like you can voice that, you know, you can say like, hey, like I, I think this person because of X, Y, and Z is really shitty and maybe we should stop celebrating them or reading them or promoting them or financially supporting them, you know? But I think that art's a very personal thing, uh, film, books, all of it, games. Um, And so it's really hard to kind of say, like, there's this, like, one-size-fits-all solution for how you should think. Yeah, and I think also... Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, you do. I've been talking a lot. (laughs) No, I was just going to say that, like, I... Yeah, there's no right answer, and it is very personal. Like, is it also, uh, it's this weird conversation where, like, when I was thinking, what I thought about when we were talking about, you know, still enjoying these works, and I'm like, for some reason I thought about, like, okay, I have, like, really, like, right-wing family members, like, and I try not to talk to them anymore, but they're still my family, and it's, like, things like that that I'm like, mm-hmm. Does that sound weird, like, equating those two together? No, no, I, I definitely feel get it. talk about that. Because it's, like, you'll have, you, like, everyone has, like, that one family member or, or a couple that have views. It, it's not even, even even necessarily, like, a left-wing, right-wing thing, but just that have views that are in some way contradictory to the ones that they hold and, and think are important. Um, and it can be really hard, especially if that person is, like, otherwise not all that shitty. Like, I know... Like, we're supposed to be, like, some people are very, very hardline, like, who are only good or only bad. And I can't do that. To me, I'm like, everyone's a little bit of both. And it's like, you know, if if my uncle is kind of shitty in one way, but really great in other ways, it's kind of hard for me to just, like, totally disavow him, like, theoretically, you know, or or any mm-hmm. family member. I don't know. It's, it's It's kind of, like, I think there's definitely kind of a a contingent of people who want it to be easy and want it to be just like well if anyone's even mildly you know toxic which is like that word just fucking gives me hives at this point which um th- this goes into like cancel culture right yeah we've talked about bit. cancel culture before it's mm-hmm. the same thing it's like this one the it's how do we stand on that like it's like do we completely cut this person like it's just this thing and it's like there's no right or wrong because we're all human and we can all make those decisions but there's also this like kind of like I feel guilt if I want to enjoy 
Harry Potter still, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it's it's really hard. Like the whole like, and like that's one of the questions that I have jotted on here is like how or do we slash how do we allow people to redeem themselves? Because it kind of goes into that like. And it does go into, like, the larger conversation about cancel culture. And it does tie into, like, family members and stuff. Because there's, you know, I guess I've reached a point in my life to where a lot of the family members I have that are like that, um, I don't really talk to anymore. I've pretty much cut myself off from because I I, I don't do it. It just, like, you weigh relationships and at a certain point you realize, like, okay, this relationship is not bringing me more than what this person I feel like takes away you know what I mean or or like how they feel like like that's them as a person and I, I don't want that around um but at the same time if you just automatically write off everyone as bad when they hold you know views that you're against um it's hard because then how do you how do you I don't, I don't want to use the word fix people because that seems like really fucking weird but like how do you get through to people you know what i mean how do you change anything if your reaction is like isolate 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 i i think i have i have like a couple couple thing like thoughts on that i i think the one that i see a lot is that people just don't allow for people to maybe like 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 they won't let people change their mind or um and you know Obviously, it's one thing when it's, like, a pattern that you see again and again and again, but sometimes you'll see it where, like, some creator, like, this is their first offense, basically, and they have no history of talking on a subject at all, and people decide to, like, they're, like, you know, you can't, nope, 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 bad, can't do it anymore, and it's, like, you don't know if they're speaking out of malice or ignorance yet, so it's kind of, and I'm always the type of person I really try to do this because I think it actually it smooths over relationships with people a lot is to not assume malice until ignorance has been written out like written off until like you know it's not ignorance Mm -hmm. because a lot of people like especially I feel like especially like creators who are older like some of the issues are very new to them so they don't really know how to approach it in a way that an audience like our age would find acceptable and you know it's it's part of it's like it's it's not exactly making excuses from your boomer parents but it's like giving your boomer parents the grace to try and explain hey this is why we think this and give them a chance to change their view or soften it or adjust it before just you, you just cut them off at the knees i just don't think that's helpful to anyone and it has a very um it's 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 a very weird kind of puritanical sort of like you sin once and you have sinned forever thing with very little hope for learning being a better person or like making up for your mistakes especially when it's an expression of a view it's not like they killed somebody which i know like yes some views are actually harm- harmful but at the same time i feel like there's almost like a loss of a sense of proportion if that makes sense. Mm. Well, it's like, you know, there's such a an emphasis on how important it is to have just like education and rehabilitation as like a way for dealing with things. But when it comes to stuff like this, it seems like sometimes it's kind of thrown out. Yeah. And I see a lot like. And again, it's it's a little different if someone has like a pattern and like when they're called out on it, they dig their heels in. But I also feel like a lot of call outs 
are just they're not helpful they don't it's it's people seem to get more they they want the like the rush of calling someone out they don't actually want that person to change their mind or do better so people go really hard on it with like death threats and all sorts of awful things and i'm like if you want them to change their mind that's really not going to help so i can only assume that really it's you venting some sort of rage that you have or you just get a kick out of being mean even if the person kind of deserves it and that even ties into modern issues like i mean it's always an issue but just like especially right now there's a lot of people calling out like perform you know performative allies basically where it's like you're not actually being super helpful for the cause right now but you want i don't know woke points whatever you want to fucking call it like so so you're the loudest so so you're you know calling out people so you're posting a black square like shit you know what i mean like it's and and it's hard because you know i don't know you kind of sacrifice being helpful for being the loudest person in the room and maybe you don't need to be the loudest person in the room yeah but like that like the black square example like it's one of those things like it seems like a good idea so you know, when most people probably who posted it, because I had one until I deleted it, because I saw people were saying they weren't helpful. So I was like, okay, well, then, if you're saying it's not helpful, and I'm seeing a lot of people say that I'll delete it. But someone else, if you know, they're like directly attacked about it, they're just going to dig their heels in probably or, or just mm-hmm. think you're a jerk. And it's not really going to be helpful. But if you and I, I know, it's kind of tone policey, but I'm sorry, your tone does matter. Especially when you're talking to someone who you don't know, for a fact, is actively being a piece of shit. Like, they could well, yeah, just not know any better. If you're aggressive to somebody, they're going to get defensive. <laughs> I've gotten defensive at things I was definitely wrong about because the person who came after me was just an ass about it. So, like, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, sometimes people have say some really awful things, but I-, I always think coming at somebody in just the the kindest most like hey you might not realize what you're saying um is always is always the way to go because otherwise like you said they'll they'll dig their their heels in i mean i think even not that this is any excuse but i think even in jk rowling's blog post um i mean she said that like she accidentally liked uh something um that was transphobic and for months people were like yelling at her calling her a turf before she ever said anything and honestly that's it's no excuse but i could see that being part of what made her dig her heels in on it <laughs> yeah like no I, I thought the exact same thing i kind of like, did too because, i had to wonder mm-hmm. yeah no i mean especially because i mean the name of her fucking blog post was turf wars <laughs> like she seems like she she approaches this whole thing like she's being attacked mm-hmm. you know what i mean and like part of it Part of it's because she kind of is. is. Yeah, I was going to say part of it is because once she did, like, that's kind of what happened. It was that rapid turn. Um, You know what I mean? And, like, I'm not at all defending her views because I think they're fucked up and shitty and reductive. Yeah, but and I also I... kind of – I'm kind of the same way. as like, I, I think it's reductive, but I also – I feel like stuff like that, it doesn't just affect the one person. It affects anyone who might want to speak about anything. Mm-hmm um because like i know the, the chilling effect yeah because i know i see like the stuff that gets um because i write horror and i also write uh oh, the fuck basically erotica and those are like if you are a woman and you write scary stuff or you write sexy stuff people who do not understand or like not kind of already in that community 
we'll find ways to give you shit. Um, and it's, it's, I've seen demonstrably worse if you're a queer woman or a woman of color. Um, and it's one of those things where I see stuff and I'm like, I, I don't know if I want to put my stuff out there. I don't think it's harmful. I mean, it might be, but like, do I want that kind of backlash? Cause someone might read something that I've written and, and decide that I'm a predator or like, I don't know. Well, it's, it's messed up. Both genres are about pushing boundaries to some extent. And you're always going to end up running into people who you you miscalculated and rather than walking that line you kind of kind of went over it and it's those those two in particular especially horror because i i I have i i'm really into like uh horror cinema and just so often i've seen people fall in fall into that where they just get completely seized on for stuff they didn't realize was 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 all that bad or maybe it was um misunderstood even yeah, I've definitely seen some where, um, and thankfully the actual community is like the whole community itself is usually pretty good at mm-hmm. uh, understanding that just because someone writes about something doesn't mean they condone it because the genre just wouldn't exist if if yeah. you had to condone everything you wrote about it wouldn't. But, well, I love serial killer stuff because I kill people. So right, know. right, right. <laughs> um, so the people like inside the community, like especially people who've been like, you know, been horror fans for years, like they get that. So they tend to give people grace. So if something in a horror story is fucked up, they tend to assume that it was intended to be fucked up and not like endorsing it. But people, especially, I hate to say it, teens and early twenties <laughs> who are like just getting into the genre but are still kind of tender and sheltered in some ways. They tend to be the ones who flip their shit the most because they've, you know, they've read YA their whole lives up until this point. They haven't had anything that was really all that boundary pushing. Um, I mean, not that well, YA kind of ties into not in the same way as a, as a horror fiction book for an adult would be. Well, and it's it ties into what you said earlier about like using like the lens of morality is of like how that's how you examine work. That's how you judge if it's good or not. Like that's been kind of pushed so heavily that whenever you get to anything that's kind of supposed to to push that like horror, um, your instinct is to recoil because like it, it doesn't fit that it, it doesn't it's not moral. Right. I mean, there is horror that is pretty didactic, but um, I don't know. Then I, I do notice a lot too. You see people push back more um, about sexual content than about violent content, which always kind of weirds mm-hmm. me out because it's like, man, like you're the same the same people who would argue that video game like playing Grand Theft Auto doesn't cause violence. Some of these people are the same people who are like, if you have um, a car- a, a pair like a couple in your story, um, and one of them is 29 and very tall, and the other one. 20 years old and very petite then you're promoting pedophilia even though they're both adults like mm-hmm. and i don't understand how like i guess that's just american culture kind of is the violence is fine but heaven forbid someone see a nipple <laughs> yeah no, absolutely but uh i don't know did anybody else have any like final thoughts with all of this because i guess we've been going for a little over an hour now um no 
I think I've got people. <laughs> I like, so I was just really upset the other day and it just like, it felt dumb to be upset because like we've been new. Like, uh, I had like talked to my friend like over a year ago about how like, oh, JK is secretly a turf. Like, uh, and it like, it didn't hit me as hard until she actually made that blog post and doubled down because I was like, Oh, she, she's, she is like there when you were talking earlier about the separation of like ignorance versus malice. And it's like, yeah, she kind of crossed that line there. She doesn't have any plausible deniability for not knowing any better at this point. Exactly. Like you can't say that she's ignorant because she came out with all this like bullshit writing that meant nothing. Basically, like we were saying, it was just jumbled up of she tried to say all of the reasons why she believed in this, but none of it was supported by anything. It was like she had just talked to somebody with hate and just was like, yeah, you're right, and put it all in a blog post. And it just, it's really disappointing, and it made me really upset. And I, again, I am going to try to separate the artist from the art because I I do love Harry Potter, and um, those stories have brought a lot of joy into my life and made a lot of, I've made a lot of friendships through it. Um, but... But J.K. Rowling fucking sucks. <laughs> well, and yeah, I just I just want to say, you know, as as a trans woman, that, um, you know, what what she said sucks, but you should still feel like you can enjoy your baby books. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try. Like I said, I think uh, I think the way to do it. Like I really, I still want those illustrated books, y'all, and I'm getting them secondhand. But also, like however much money the book is going to cost i'm going to double that down and donate it to a trans organization because like that's it feels like a due diligence almost like it feels like i should because it's it's not only is it something that i should do anyway but it's like also like a slap in the face to jk like like here you go bitch well you know what then i guess i guess one other thing we should mention um you all know about uh daniel radcliffe right coming right writing mm-hmm. for the Trevor Project, which works with, with, with trans youths and LGBT youths in general. Um, I mean, it's kind of neat seeing these people who are connected to her works being like, hey, you know, I'm rich because of her work, but I still, I still support trans people. And I, 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 think, I think even though J.K. Rowling gave me a lot. Um, I don't agree in this instance. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And yeah. I, the thing that I saw that really kind of like boggled my mind was seeing how many people are talking about it. I think Emma Watson I don't think she had like she she put out something too I thought um mm-hmm. and seeing people talk about it as if they had betrayed JK Rowling as if they owed yeah. the allegiance to her I'm like they're their own That's... independent people they you know were like 10 years old when they decided to right. do her movies and none of they this had come their out yet souls away to her <laughs> so like they're allowed to have their own opinion they, they they don't have to to agree with everything that she says. Yeah, they like, don't have to fall in line. Yeah, she's not even their boss anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think something else that's kind of cool to think about, um, as far as you know, Emma Watson, Daniel Radcliffe, kind of like taking a stand against this too, is like J.K. Rowling. Like, I just looked actually. So her her blog post has like sixty thousand or whatever likes at this point. Uh, Emma Watson's tweet about just like not supporting what J.K. Rowling said has uh, almost a million. (laughs) 
So, I mean, just even, like, it, it can seem so discouraging, like, people, like, these big-name people like J.K. Rowling uh, coming out and, and saying these things. But just remember, for every, like, one person who holds that shitty view, um, there are so many who actually do care. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. That's, that's just something I don't know. It's 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 something to take away, I guess. It doesn't really necessarily have to do with this conversation, but... It can. It's easy to be discouraged, but there are a lot of good people out there too. Yeah. So, but I think that does us for this episode. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go through the lineup now. Uh, Jessica, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at bad. What is my new ad? I'm sorry, I just changed it's, it at bad. It's- Bad posts. Yeah, at Bad Posts LLC. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which is such a good handle. Like it's just so good. It's so good. Um, and is there anything else that you wanted to uh, to plug or anything like that? No. Um, I do have a. I mentioned you know before the show to you. I do have a yeah, piece yeah, that yeah. I, I'm working on about the um, speaking of things that are transphobic uh, about the film Dressed to Kill. Um, which is famous for having a trans serial killer, um, not very well liked by the community, but I wrote a piece about it for its 40th anniversary. Um, the site that was going to run it, unfortunately, ran into issues and they have run, shut down, but I should be able to have a home for it, and you should be seeing that out. And I'll, 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 I'll retweet it, but you should be seeing that um, uh, into July um, when the anniversary of the film is. Perfect. And then Taylor, where can people find you? Oh, I had to check mine too because I also just changed it recently. Um, <laughs> I can be found at ML underscore Gremlin um, on Twitter. And I don't really have anything to plug because I don't have anything recent because I'm a lazy piece of shit. <laughs> um, Amen. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have nothing but my, my bad tweets. That's all you need, though. Join my company, <laughs> Bad Post LLC. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go follow you right now because that sounds great. Uh, and Kayla, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at OAKayla. Um, also, um, sometimes streaming over at twitch.tv slash uppercut crit. Um, I also have another podcast with Uppercut called New Light Allies, where me and two other queer friends get together and we talk about Destiny 2. Hell yeah, you do. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast, um, the well, when, when it comes out, a uh, new episode of New Light Allies would have come out like probably like five or six days ago. Hey. So listen to that if you haven't listened to it. Um, also, Kayla and I... Tomorrow we're going to play some Destiny 2. I'm really excited yes, about it. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, and you can find me at Jessicogs over on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Pound Around is a product of Uppercut, which you can find on all social media at Uppercut Crit and at UppercutCrit.com. It's a lot of times to say Uppercut. God. <laughs> <clears throat> if you'd like to hang out with the Uppercut crew, feel free to join our Discord. As always, the link is in the episode description. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you just can't get enough, you can head over to patreon.com slash uppercutcrit and toss a couple of bucks our way to get this early. Or even get your name read right at the end, just like these folks here. Huge shout out to Abnormal Mapping, uh, Adrian A. Rock Williams, Colton Crow. DJ Kento, Eli Bergmas, uh, 
Eric Sapp, GameCrash.co.uk, Ginny Wu, Jared Shu, Javi Gwaltney, Jesse Vitelli, Cam Koenig, Kenneth Shepard, Lucas Lyon, Matthew Flores, Numair Osma- Osman Elamin, Objective or Optional Objectives, Quentin Hoffman, and Sean Martin. Thank you all so much for your contributions. You make this happen. And thank you, listener, for palling around with us. Bye. Bye. Bye.